To worship God is to ascribe to him supreme worth. Um, for he alone is supremely worthy. William Temple defined worship very well when he says this. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to the love of God. To, vote, to devote the will to the purpose of God. Worship. I look in. I see that worship is something that that you and I as Christians have been called to. Been called to be people who worship. You see it several times in Scripture. For example, in, in our text before us in John four twenty four, it says, "God is spirit, and those who worship Him." must worship in spirit and truth. Those who worship him must, they must worship him in both spirit and truth. He tells us how it is that that worship is supposed to take place, but he tells us specifically, this is something that we must do. Something that that should be a part of everything that we are as believers is this passion to to worship him. In Philippians 3.3 3, it says. For we are the circumcision. Who worship God in the spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. We're the circumcision. We are the ones that have our hearts circumcised. We belong to Christ. We belong to him. We are saved. And as such. We worship God in the spirit. We're saved and we worship. Not only do we worship, but we rejoice in Christ Jesus. There's worshiping that becomes a part of who we are, and there's joy, there's rejoicing that is there. And the rejoice is specifically in our Savior, it's in Christ. We have no confidence in the flesh. Just describes what a Christian is you worship, you find joy in Christ. And for the believer, we have no confidence in the flesh. We look at ourselves and we look and we say, I can't, I can't do anything on my own. I'm totally in desperate need of Christ as my Savior and my enabler, the Holy Spirit to work in me, to be the one who ministers to me, who teaches me, who is working in me to, to, to conform me into the very image of Christ. You see that? In Scripture, it makes it clear that as, as followers of Christ, we worship him not just in song, but we worship him in our lives, in every part of it. You, you hear Christ say, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If anyone wants to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me, follow me, follow me in everything that I am calling you towards. Our lives are to be worship unto him, as we'll be looking at this morning. You find in, in 1 Timothy 1.17 where it says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This worship, the part of us that is to adore him and to 
say that he is worthy and to give him honor is something that ought to take place now and forevermore. It's a part of who we are. You see, Jesus, as he's being tempted, where he says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the, worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Even Christ himself, what are we called towards? To worship God alone. To him alone we are to serve. And so what does this worship to look like? We can look at this and, and, and recognize that God gives us specific instructions of what it is to look like and also what it is not to look like. We're to, we're to worship in spirit and in truth, which would, on the other side, say, don't worship in a false way. You see it in, in Romans chapter 1 where it, God says that he's made his invisible attributes clearly seen. But, but, but man loved the creation rather than the creator. They, they started worshiping the creation. Idols. Rather than the creator. There's right ways to worship and there are, are wrong ways to worship. If you, if you don't have your Bibles here, there's Bibles under the pews. But I encourage you to turn with me. We're going to look at a, a few different texts one would be ways that we see that are wrong ways to worship. Turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 1. Malachi, chapter 1. In Malachi, chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, you hear God speaking to his people. He says here, a son honors his father. Malachi 1.6. A son honors his father. A servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Stop there for a moment. With Jonathan and, and Natalie, um, there's a relationship that is there between myself and them in which, in which we have a lot of fun. Um, it's a joy. We spend wonderful time together. But I, I'm, I'm not their buddy. There's a difference. And, and there's, there's times where um, it will be tested a little bit. Times in which um, they go to a place of being disrespectful. And it's at times like that that I'll look at them. And, you know, Jonathan even, I think he was three, two or three, and he's like, Daddy, when you're upset, you look at me like this. He knew. He knew the look. And, and you could see like where they just stopped. Okay, I've gone too far. And you look, in the, the, if, as kids, that's part of what we're to do. We're to, we're to honor our parents, to honor our father. A servant is to honor his master. 
But hear the, the heart of God here. If then I am the Father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my, my reverence? Where is it? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? How have we done that? In what way have we ever despised your name? And God says, you, you offered defiled food on my altar. But you, spit, but you say, in, in what way have we defiled you? God says, by saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible or, or that it, it deserves no respect. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? What is it that you bring to me? You, you approach me in a way in which it's as if I deserve no respect. Where's my reverence? You give more reverence to your father or you give more reverence to a governor. You look and you say like, oh, I'm not going to give the governor that. I, I, would, I would give him something special. And you hear the heart of God. Is that not evil? Is it, is it not evil? And to be able to look at our lives and say, what is it in our lives that we offer to him? How is it that we approach him? How is it that we come before the Lord? Are we, are we coming before the Lord in, in, in such a way that, that we're giving him our best? That which he is worthy of. He says, but now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would, who, who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you sneer at it. You just turn up your nose at me, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the, the stolen and the lame and the sick. And thus you, you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who, who has in his flock a male and, and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among all the nations. We, we read this and 
You, you just hear the heart of God going to his people like, why do you give me your junk? Why do you give me that which you would never give to somebody that you would esteem? Why would I accept it? Saying things like, I have no pleasure in you. I have no pleasure in that kind of sacrifice. It brings me no glory. I find no joy in that sacrifice. A text like this shows us that there are offerings that are made to God that God finds no pleasure in at all. And for us to look at this and say, okay, how does this relate to us? How does this apply to us? And I think that there's definitely times where we, we bring that before the Lord, which is just like, well, he can have that. We come before him and, and we, we, we say one thing, but our hearts are in a place that are totally different. And God would say, don't worship me like that. Don't bring that to me. I'll be glorified amongst the nations. My name will be great. We see him showing his power in such a way of like, and don't bring that to me. To me, as I read this passage, it just brings conviction to my own heart. How many times do we sit and, and sing songs and our, our hearts are so far from him? There's words that come forth out of our mouths, but inside our hearts, it's just something that's, that, that we would find no pleasure in it ourselves. We bring him gifts, and it's done out of a sense of just obligation. Like, I, I have to do this. Here, he can have that. That's, uh, I'll spare him this. When it's just the rubbish that we have. We do it out of duty. There's that illustration that's given um, of if you were to bring flowers to your wife. And she says, why are you bringing me flowers? And and you say, well, I have to. Your husband. Every once in a while, i got to bring you flowers. So here you go. Take them. She's not going to find... I've used that illustration before. And some wives are out there going, like, I don't care. As long as they bring me flowers. I just don't even care. But that's, that's sad. That is sad, men. But honestly, like, we can imagine, like, if, if I were to say that to my wife in, like, a really sweet way, she would say, like, please don't bring, them fl- don't bring me flowers if, if you don't find joy in it. Like, if you're, if you're doing this just because you have to, you don't, you don't have to. I want you to do it because you really want to do it. And likewise with the Lord, as we come before him in worship, giving unto him, giving ourselves unto him, giving our hearts to him, our words to him, may we be just knowledgeable that he is our bridegroom. He is the one in whom has loved us unconditionally. 
He's the one who took the wrath that we deserve upon himself so that, so that we would never have to experience it. He's made it so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell, that we're no longer enemies of him, but we have been brought into his family. We've been called his people. Our sins have been removed from us. It's been replaced with his righteousness because of his work upon the cross. He's, he's made for us mansions in heaven. He's created a place in which we could approach his throne boldly. He's given us all kinds of different gifts. He's blessed us in all kinds of different ways. He's removed the sin from us. He's removed the guilt from us. He's surrounded us with with people who love us. He's surrounded us with members within our church that are gifted in all kinds of different ways. He's made it so that we have hope. He's made it so that we have a purpose. He's made it so that He's given us the Holy Spirit as a helper to enable us to fight sin and to to be encouraged and to be comforted and to be loved and to be molded and shaped into the image of Christ. He continues to give. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. He gives us holiness. He's done all of these things for us. And it is possible, and I know you know this. I know I know this. It is possible for us to come before him and be like, all right, let's do our thing. We'll sing our songs. We'll do our thing. And our hearts are so far from him. And in circumstances like that, God's saying, you do it in vain. I, I, have, I have no pleasure in it. I find no pleasure in it. Nor will I accept an offering from your hands. In the book of Amos, chapter 5, in verse 21, God says, Amos 5, 21, God says, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water, and righteousness like a mighty stream. You, you come to me, and, and God just says, take, take away the noise of your songs. Just take it away. You sing songs, but it's just the noise of, of your songs that comes before me. Just take it away. I won't hear it. And it's possible for us to be in a place where our hearts are so far from him, from him and, and we, we say one thing, but our lives look Totally different than that. And I think God would just say, take it away. I don't, I don't need that. I was talking with someone this week, and they reminded me of a, a group that we took with us to Africa. They wanted to go to Africa with us. And, and so we sent some people from our church to, to kind of host them and to, and to be there for them. And they said that, that, that at one point in their time of, of, of being together, that 
the pastor just said, everybody, raise your hands like this. It was a, a, a young group. And raise your hands like this and cup your hands like this and close your eyes. Everybody right now do that. And then they took a picture. Okay, we're going to send that home as far as your time worshiping together. <laughs> and they just said, I couldn't, we couldn't believe that it was happening. Like they told them how to cup their hands, how to raise them, close your eyes, take a picture. Let's put it in the newsletter. And I, I, I heard that. And I, I was reminded this last week of it, and I just thought, oh, God help us never to do anything like that. May, may, may the time of our worship be just genuine. We don't have to make believe like we really love him. We don't have to just have it be where it's this outward appearance that we really love him, but inwardly it's just we really just don't have time for any of this. May it be that within our hearts it's just like it just comes out. I just love him. I adore him. He has my heart. He has my life. He has all of me. May I worship him in spirit and in truth with all that is within me. May I worship him like that. We see the, the time in Leviticus, I'll just read it to you, in chapter 10, where there's Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, and they, they take the censer and they put fire in it and, and they put incense on it and they offered this profane or strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. I mean, just he just sends out fire and just devours these people. Why? Because he said, that's not how I asked you to worship me. That's not the way that I asked you to worship me. So for us to be in a place of, well, to me, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in like organized religion. I don't think that anybody needs to go to church ever. To me, I just go out in nature, and that's my worship time, and that's what I do. And, and I, you've probably heard in Southern California, you've probably heard people say things like, hey, my sanctuary is right there on the beach with the waves. That's where I worship. And I look and I, I hear people say things like that and I'm just like, well, you don't get to decide how worship should take place. You don't get to offer some kind of strange fire to the Lord and say, well, to me, worship is going to look like this. God tells us how to worship. He tells us worship in spirit and in truth. God says, do not forsake the gathering together of the body. Do not say that we don't need you as a member of the body or I am not needed. Everybody's been gifted according to God's grace given to us and gifted in different ways for the purpose of the edification of the whole. We're to be here for the study of God's word, for prayer and for song. We're to be here to be in a place of worshiping him together and encouraging one another together. We look and we see this and, and God tells us, this is what I expect. This is what I want. We're called to worship him in song. As you think of worshiping him in spirit and truth, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is song. And song is definitely a way in which we worship him. Turn with me to Psalm 96, verse 1. In the book of Psalms 96, we hear God call us towards singing. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. 
his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. Stopping there for a moment. You just hear, you hear the heart of God. The Holy Spirit inspiring this to be written. Sing to him. Sing. Make it a new song. Sing to him. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Go and, and, and tell people about Christ. I had a, a six-hour layover in, in Johannesburg. And I, I took, I think, almost the entire six hours to proclaim the gospel to one person. They started out like, I don't, I don't believe in God at all. It, towards the end, it's, okay, well, I believe in him, but I just don't know that Christianity is the only way. And just went through and just every argument, like, well, this is what God says. In the like, most loving way, just, well, this is what God says. And it, it made the six hours seem like just a few minutes, at least to me, probably not to this person. <laughs> but I looked in in. And it was just a joy to be able to just tell someone about my Savior. Just to be able to tell them, like, this is who he is. No, he's not like that. This is what he does. And to go through and just proclaim the good news. God says, do that. Declare his glory among the nations. Go and, and, and just tell them this is who God is. May, may we be a church that just finds so much joy in, in sending people out. Pastor Don is heading out this week, right? I think so. To Haiti. May we have hearts that just look and say we, we, we find such joy. It is worship for us to go and to tell people about our Savior. His wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and he's greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Verse 6. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees and the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming and he's coming to judge the earth. And he shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. And it's just a psalm. So sing to him. Just sing to him. May it be a part of our lives that we sing to him. I, I, I pray that, that we, would, we would come before him with an offering of praise on a Sunday morning and be together. And it would just be passionate singing unto him. We, we specifically start our service with 
announcements. The announcements take place at this point. From there, a call to worship. The reason why we do that call to worship is, okay, why do we worship him? Why, why, why do we worship him? Let's, let's, just, let's, let's read this text. Here is a reason that we should worship him. Let's read this. Let's do a call to worship. Saints, you're here. At least some of you are here at, at that particular time. You ought to come at that time. We, we, it's, it's why do we worship him? Here is a passage. Let's all pray together. This is our call to worship. And now let's just sing to him. That, that beginning time is not time for, we, we don't do those songs at the beginning, just this filler time for people to come in. It is a, it, it is a time for us to worship with all that is within us to the Lord. That's, that's why it is there. Sing to him. Bring your, your song to him. Have in your mentality, the Lord reigns. He is all powerful. He reigns. Think of him like that. In Psalm 47 and verse 6, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Sing praises with understanding. With understanding. We we went through, we we sang these songs. I just reading the words as as we sang this, this morning. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands hath made, I see the stars and I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout all the universe displayed, and then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Saying, as a next song, bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. You're demanding things of your soul. Soul, do this. Soul, sing with all that is within you. Sing like you have never sung before. What, what, What a thing to tell ourselves. To be here in a time of worship and say, okay, soul, bless him. Praise him. Sing like never before, like you've never done before. Worship his holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. I, I, I sang that this morning. I was just thinking, 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And then things just started going through my mind. 10,000, why, why, do why do I worship him like that? Why do I demand of my soul, sing like never before to him? He's worthy of that. It's because I look, I'm like a, a horrific sinner that has been saved by his grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it. There was nothing that I ever could have done to earn one ounce of his favor, and yet his grace has come upon me. I was dead in my sins and trespasses, and he made me alive, and he 
takes my mind and he renews it. He takes a heart of stone and he makes a heart of flesh. And he makes it so that I who deserve eternity apart from him have guaranteed eternity with him. And I'm kept by the very power of God until the day of salvation. It's not my own doing or my own ability to keep myself. But it is him who started the good work in me and will be faithful to complete it. And he... He leads me and he guides me and he's given me his word as instruction and he's given me you guys just to be such a blessing to me and to my family and to one another and, and to, to, have, to have worship that is just Christ-centered all the way through, to, to, sing, to sing songs like we, we did this morning and to be able to, to go and say, your priceless blood has ransomed me. Crush the power of sin and death. You're the lamb who is my righteousness. And to be able to go through and to just have Christ-centered worship in which we could just sing to him. And no one's telling you, cup your hands like this and raise them this high. and that No one's doing anything like that. And it's just, let's just respond properly to him. I, I looked at 10,000 reasons. And, and may we not look and say, well, that's got to be kind of an exaggeration. No, you could just keep going on and on and on of reasons to praise him. Sing praises, Psalm 47, verse 7. With understanding, knowing why you praise him. You find that call to sing over and over again. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Just, just, just sing like that. Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is is. The great God, the great king above all gods. And in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. May that be us. May God tells us how to worship him. Come, kneel, bow down. May our hearts be just so humbled before him. You find that in, in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah is there and there's the Lord that is there sitting on a throne. He's high and lifted up and the train of his robe is filling the temple. And, and there's these seraphim and they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And you look at, at Isaiah and, and, and as he's seen this happen and the, the posts of the door shake and, and all of this is happening and the house is filled with smoke. Isaiah's there and his response is, Woe is me, I am undone. I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. His response in worship is, I am falling apart at the seams because I am before a holy God. 
We're to come to him like that. We're to come to him with humility. We're to come to him in, in such a way that it's not like he is so lucky to have me. It should be the opposite of that. Rather than that, it's, I'm nothing and he saved me. God, help us never to sit here and be proud in the midst of worship. But just covered with humility. In Ezra chapter 9, I'll I'll read this. Why don't we turn there? Ezra 9 verse 3. You see Ezra there where in Ezra 9, 3. So when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe. I plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard, and I sat down astonished. And then everyone who trembled at the words of God, of the God of Israel, assembled to me. Because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting, and having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. And I said, Oh my God, I'm too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, oh my God. For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Can you just see him doing this? This falls down on his knees. His hands are spread out. I'm too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God. I'm too ashamed and humiliated. I have sinned against you in just incredible ways. Your grace just keeps coming upon me, but I'm humiliated. My iniquities are higher than my head. Our guilt as a people has grown up to the heavens. In Ezra 9.13, And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you had consumed us? so that there would be no remnant or survivor? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for for we are left as a remnant. For it is this day, here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. There's just total humility that is there. Do you see yourself as just a sinner that is in desperate need of grace? Do you see yourself in a place like Ezra where it's just like, I don't want to lift up my head. I, I'm so humbled before you. Your grace just keeps coming to me. There should be no remnant left, and yet you just keep coming to me. You, your grace, it's new every morning, and yet I, I, I stick my nose up to you, and I, I act as if it's no big deal that I'm in sin. There's no humility before me. And being in a place of just hearing his heart and it's just my sin, my guilt, it's higher than my head. And yet your grace just keeps coming to me. I pray that that would be how we worship, how we respond. That we'd be a, you know, a people just like, like, my sin, it's just, it's, it's huge. And yet he forgives me and he forgives me and he forgives me. And, and, 
And where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And he's hurled my sins into the depths of the sea. And he doesn't remember him anymore. And, and he's made me a new creation in him. And he's given me a new heart. May I not live in that kind of sin anymore. May I hate it. May I be humbled. May I come before him and just look and say, the only reason why there's a remnant that exists at all is because of you and because of your grace. May I just respond rightly now and just praise you with all that is within me. The verse that is kind of the theme verse for our church. Therefore, let us be grateful for receive, we were receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. May we worship him like that. May we worship him like that. May we look and just, God, with reverence and awe, we come before you. Our hearts, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth and all that is within us. That's the way that we want to worship you. I look and I, 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 I see over and over again in Scripture, God saying, I find pleasure in your humility. I find pleasure in you singing with all that is within yourself. I find pleasure in you making a new song unto me. I find pleasure in you loving me. I find pleasure in these things. I do not find pleasure in you coming to me with, with being in that place of just being still in your iniquity and having no regard for me and bringing me the, the, the least amount that you have or, or coming to me just half-heartedly. I know your heart. I see your heart. You're, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. I find no pleasure in that to where we look at that and say there is acceptable worship and there is worship that is not acceptable. May we be a people who look and say, God, you have saved us. We are saved totally because of your grace. Now may we respond, not with half-heartedness, not in a place of being lukewarm, but may we be in a place of in spirit and in truth and with all that is within us, may we worship you. And it's not just in song, it's in every aspect of your life. It's in every aspect of your life the way in which you respond to sin. And you look and you say, like, I don't, want, I don't want that. I don't want it. I hate that sin. I know it's sin. I hate this sin. God, this sin is so tempting, but may my worship be to you that I treasure you and your commandments and your law and what you're calling me to above all of that. And it's just, it's just worship when you do that. God, I... I'm going through this incredible trial and I've lost all of these things and my life is in a place where it just seems like everything has been taken away and then you look and you, you hear Job in the midst of losing his kids, in the midst of losing his possessions, in the midst of losing all those things and he tells us that he, he tore his robe and he bowed his head and he worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says in all these things, he did not sin or curse God with wrong. That moment in which life was, was such that in one day he loses everything. And his response, his response is just incredible worship. I'm worshiping. Things are not going the way that I planned. It's not the way that I expected. But I came naked into this world and I'm going to leave that way. God gave he gave me those things. God took it away. I'm going to 
praise him. And it's worship that is such that is sweeter than most anything that we could ever sing. When we worship him in the midst of every aspect of our lives, may we look at every aspect and worship him in such a way. Taking into consideration the entirety of our lives and saying, you don't deserve just a little bit of me. May I I lay my life down before you as a living sacrifice. May it be holy. May it be acceptable to you. That's my reasonable service. May I give you all of me in my entirety. When you understand the depths of your sin and when you understand the majesty of our Savior, the grace of our God, um, it is not duty. It is delight. Delight to praise him in spirit and in truth and with all that is within you. We bless his name. Amen. Let's come before him in prayer. Lord God, we're thankful for this time. Oh Lord, how pathetic are we that we, we, we can't even respond with praise properly apart from you meeting us here in this place. Please, Lord, do that work in my heart. Do that work in the hearts of each person here. May we respond by taking our lives and and hating sin and treasuring you. Hating half-heartedness and treasuring giving ourselves entirely to you. Hating being in love with the stuff of this world and taking up our cross daily and following you. May we be such that we do what you tell us that we must, that we must do. And that is worship you in spirit and in truth. May we worship you like that, God. Enable us to do that this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.